0: Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human-Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change just like you. Connect with like-minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human-centered design. For more information, see this is hcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode.
1: We just came together for a weekend and we're like, maybe we're service designers. And that was the moment. And then we think Chris just registered the company and told us if we didn't show up on the 1st of January, then he'd do it on his own.
0: Hello and welcome to Bringing Design Closer, and this is HCD. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organizations to become more human-centered in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Now, before we jump in, I have a favor to ask. I've personally been creating content for This Is Hate City for nearly six years now, all for the love of sharing knowledge to the global design community. And one thing that you could do is leave a review, preferably a five-star one, as it helps grow our community and helps the findability of our podcast across the networks like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts too. And even if you don't have a chance to leave a review, you can go one better by just telling your friends or the people that you work with about This Is Hate City. It helps us out so much, okay? Now in this episode, I speak with Ben Reason, founding partner of LiveWork in the UK, and Ben has co-authored Service Design from Insight to Implementation on Rosenfeld Media, and also Service Design for Business, a practical guide to optimising the customer experience released in 2016. In this conversation, we chat about a few things, but mainly around Ben's own journey through design, starting at Liverpool in the mid-90s, and his entry into the world of service design later on that decade with LiveWork. Now we chat about the work that LiveWork do and also a new framework titled Three Velocities of Change. We want to understand what this means, where it originated and also why this is so important not only to Ben but to the LiveWork team. It's a great one. Let's jump straight in. Ben, it is fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Long time fan, first time caller, Um, you know you you've written some uh some of the seminal service design books um and you're obviously founder of livework one of the um the pioneers of service design globally but for our listeners i've given you a bit of a an intro there but for our listeners um maybe describe what you do on a day-to-day basis um and also where you're based as well
1: yeah so start with the easy one i'm i'm based in london um day-to-day so i letting you kind of in on it a bit. Um, I kind of finally took on being the boss at Livework, even though we've been around for 20 years, but it's always been a sort of a joint effort. And then I'm the last founder standing. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a relatively new role, a couple of two or three years in to doing that. So I, it's a mix. I work with the leadership team and kind of I am there line manager, all these new terms that we have been introducing as we've grown up. Um, I still do a lot of, um, you know, work in, in kind of business development work. And then it's sort of a third, a third, a third, the final third being working with some of the project teams, um, Mm -hmm. or some of the teams and particularly around, you know, when we're pushing things a, a little bit. So we, you know, we've been pushing what we've calling sustainable futures over the last few years so when we've got projects mm. where we're doing something we haven't done before I like to get involved
0: yeah and no, absolutely let's go back to um let's go back to the start yep. if, you, if you don't mind like so what did you study in university because I know we spoke before about um that whole kind of tra- transition period of coming out of university mm-hmm. and into a world what did that world look like back then w- were people driving cars <laughs> Years, so it wasn't
1: that long ago. <laughs> um i graduated in ninety five uh, yeah. with a, a degree in fine art so i um yeah i kind of came out with the with the uh, false notion that i was going to be an artist and rented a studio from one of my former tutors yeah and then found it very cold and lonely and realized <laughs> art school is great because you're full of like minded people and you're kind of in this environment but when you're on your own uh, i realized i wasn't uh i wasn't a sort of a lone wolf kind of worker, and and I needed human human beings around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, in that time, I was using. I I bought a a Mac with um, some money that I was left, and was making animations with it that I thought were art. And yeah. I showed a friend, and he said, "Oh, you could come and you know cut up JPEGs for us in our studio and help us make mm-hmm. CD-ROMs." So I I kind of fell into to digital and then the internet through uh, a kind of a lack of timing. I always feel like if I was a few years younger, there would yeah. have been lots of design graduates who knew what they were doing. But um,
0: You're kind of lucky in that sense, in, the, in that the timing. Yeah. There was a sort of a, there was a, an interest in, in the internet. 95 was kind of an interesting, Windows 95 dropped as well, of course. Yeah. That kind of was a bit of a game changer. So what did that look like in terms of um, strategic design? Because say the double diamond hadn't been created. if you look at that as being a moment mm. from the design council. So there was, there was interest about using design, but what did design look like in 95 when you, when you finished as regards opportunities for design to evoke change?
1: So I think the, the first job that I got that was more than um, you know, MacMonkey work yeah was with a kind of early stage company that was emerging out of the sort of marketing the, the, the directors were from a marketing advertising background and they were exploring the internet. So we were primarily making websites and actually digital advertising stuff. Um I don't think not particularly strategically. It was um it was like that at that stage where you've got this new Medium, and you're trying to figure out if it's of any use to to the companies that you're working with. And it's kind of fascinating because they were, you know, we were working with all these brands who were just trying to put adverts on the internet, and they it was it was kind of dumb, I think. And then I, we stumbled across the first thing that I felt was meaningful was we we did some work for the Royal Automobile Club, of the RAC in the yeah. UK, which is the breakdown insurance company, where we were actually putting some services together you know like route finder services and other things that might actually support their members or, or or motorists so that was the first time i was like oh you could actually you can use this for something interesting yeah um and that that kind of steered me so i did feel like at that time there was a career fork i was working with these guys who were from you know proper at the battle or hegarty people who were like and and they were like, come and make ads with us. And and I was like, no, I think I want to make something that's actually useful and yeah, um, more like practical for for people. So that was that couldn't kind of have took me down a path into you know carrying on working with with what we called web design at the time.
0: Mm. Um, so your first introduction to service design, what did that look like? Because. You know, I I probably had heard of service design in, you know, the um, mid-2000s. And I'm keen to hear what your experience was around that period of where you saw the light.
1: So this is the sort of live-work foundational myth and truth. Um, So I I was... (laughs) It is a bit like that. I mean, I feel a bit bashful about it. But um, so I was working with um with this web company that was you know building websites and we were doing projects we built the first locado website and we built some websites for um uh, you know some quite a few startups like a um real estate startup and so these were services that we were yeah. making or, or we get hired by a bank to try to put them on the internet and then um i met chris downs who was my fellow founder at livework um and we just hit it off and and had a lot of fun and also, but we're also kind of fed up with the firm we were working with and it, hmm. it was, it was kind of a technology led firm, you know, that was the bulk of their revenue. So we, we decided we sort of were like fantasizing about starting a design firm yeah. and then we brought Laverns over from Scandinavia, who, the, the two of them had been at the Royal college together. Okay. At the same time I was doing a master's at was was responsibility and business practice. So I was trying to figure out how to do something more yeah. meaningful. And and around um, you know ecological issues, and I read a, a book that had a chapter that was about services and services being a way to drive up, drive resource efficiency. A guy called Amory Lovins and Paul Hawkins. So they were talking about things like car sharing, and I was like, oh, that's that's like my in. That's where I could be useful to this issue yeah. if I can make services that make us use less stuff in the world and create less waste. Yeah. Um, Lavins and Chris had been talking about the fact that they were both industrial design trained, but they'd always worked in the service sector, yeah. So they were trying to, they were kind of having a design and the existential moment. And we just came together for a weekend and we we're like, maybe we're service designers, and that was the yeah, the moment. And then when we, you know, I think Chris just registered the company and told us if we didn't show up on the first of January, then he'd do it on his own, <laughs> and we set off. So we. We were quite deliberately sort of saying this, you know, then we did our research. We found that there was, you know, there was service design, big at Marga in Cologne, then Showstacks, mm. service blueprinting, work that IDEO had done. But we were aware yeah. there weren't any firms that were service design, pure kind of play. So yeah. we were on the early days. It was a very experimental, try and prove that so all this all is that
0: 2000, thing. It 2001, was it?
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was around that period. So you know, that, that whole kind of journey, um, I, I didn't really realize that your masters, um, had such a sustainable, um, perspective within it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has emerged, as you said, there are alluded to maybe 10 minutes ago. It's kind of emerged out of the, uh, I guess the brand, if you want in the last four or five years, and it's kind mm-hmm. of permeating everything that LiveWork work is doing. It's, it kind of makes sense now if, you know, Chris and Lavons have left, and you're there now. It's kind of it's it's Ben's baby, and and that stuff can can effectively grow. So, what well, what are the challenges um that you see from uh, the the existing world of service design at the moment? Like, what's holding us back right. to to get to this point where we can actually start thinking about creating more ethical and sustainable
1: yeah. services? I guess what's holding us back is we're just one part of the existing system, right? And we're mm. geared up to work within that system. So I mean there's a bit a lot of discussion and, and soul searching by designers about, you know, things that we design and the impacts that they have The things I guess the things that we make desirable. Um and yeah. the I guess the general alignment of design, especially well, especially in a in a kind of commercial setting with a consumer economy so we're kind of part of that system um so there's a bit of a a recognition of that and then i I think the other interesting discussion going on is whether the concept of human centricity is part of the problem if we're you know you're prior and and if you go i i do kind of read a lot and then you know if you talk if you sort of dig into some of the the kind of more ecological thinkers they will say something similar about how Humanity has kind of separated itself from its environment, as if mm. we're different, as if we're kind of yeah. floating above it, or as if we can just use it for our own ends. Uh, and we've lost touch with our connections and our dependencies and and things like that. Yeah. So, I guess you could, you know, human centered design is part of the human humanistic worldview mm. that we're that we're in. Um, so that is that answering your questions kind of holding us? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's yeah,
0: it's it's kind of um, the, the whole the whole bigger question really is um, if if that's what's holding us back. What about the 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 work that you're doing at the moment around the three horizons? Yeah. and how do you see that that's going to you know sort of unlock an awful lot mm-hmm. of those resistance points? um like for 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 maybe before we get into that let's talk about i'm calling it three horizons, sorry but it's the three velocities is the proper term you can smack me um so it's uh let's talk about where this came from first of all because you sent this to me a couple of months ago and i was like okay this
1: is this is pretty interesting So you you rightly noted that um i guess this issue has been a concern of mine for a long time but it it sort of went away and i found i found the the world of sustainability, which is kind of called, cool. um, didn't have very many inroads for design. It seemed to be a very technical world of kind of counting carbon mm. um, emissions. And so, it, and it, and you know, we got distracted and did other things at LiveWork. But about probably 2018, there was a, a combination of you know, me wanting to push things forward, but also quite a few of the younger live workers coming and saying, you know, we can't, what's our position on this? You know, I'm not happy to, for us to pretend yeah. it doesn't exist. And then um, Extinction Rebellion kicked off in the UK and my partner was like, come and join me. I'm on a bridge, of uh, blocking a bridge over the Thames. <laughs> and I, I literally came from a client workshop with a, a folder full of you know, post-its and scribbles <laughs> from some kind of corporate brainstorm and ended up with all the, all the rebels the on the bridge. And which was really catalyzing. Um, so there's that, there's, there was that, that was you asking about kind of where it comes from. But um, I guess I found some of the, I think it's quite a big challenge for design. And I found some of the debate about, okay, so we just move from, I and mean, this is not fair, but if you kind mm. of move from human centricity to planet centric or something. Yeah. Doesn't quite answer the question for me about, you know, what do we actually do? And are we actually challenging, you know, do we have, it Does is design still relevant? You know, is if it is. You know, if you think design comes from industrialization and the need to, you know, make these commodity products that are useful, usable, and desirable, is it still relevant in a world where we need to challenge some of those thoughts? Yeah. So um, the the three velocities is uh, it's kind of an early stage concept for where we think live work can be useful to clients in, mm-hmm. I guess, the ecological transition. So the three things we're saying is the sort of one velocity is understanding, which is probably a slow burn kind of mindset shift into a more ecological way yeah. of thinking. Another one is acceleration. So there are certain things we need to do really fast, like transition to renewable energies. And the third one is, is with we're calling prepare, which is a bit more of a futures facing. There yeah. are changes that we might need to be ready for that maybe we don't know if they're coming or not. Um, yeah. And and in some ways, these three things are three things that I, you can see in the world. So if you if you sort of look at the world and how different groups of people are responding to, say, climate change, some people are saying, well, we need to get, we need to sort of philosophically change. Other people are saying, well, we just need to change. technologies very, very fast. And, you know, we can answer yeah. this with technology. And other people are kind of prepping and going out and, you know, yeah. setting up new communities. So I, I quite like the idea that these things are, are disparate, but actually they're all relevant and they are all different modes of kind yeah. of parallel thought. Um, and just to finish off your question. So I think there's still a question like, where does, what's the design role in here? Yeah. So I, I think we're, we're feeling like the, the understand thing is about retuning design empathy to think beyond human beings and start thinking about systems. Really... And, um, I'm and making... the accelerate is sorry.
0: No, no, I was just going to say on the understand piece, because yeah. the, when I initially saw it, I, I probably am not the first person to say that. I was like, I'm a bit confused about the understand piece and why it looks like over time the effort mm. decreases. Yeah. Um, when typically if you look at, you know, wicked problems, to use that term, the the closer you get to to the problem, it exponentially increases. And um, it it shouldn't diminish the the amount of effort required to understand is my take on it and i was like yeah. okay i'm i might be missing something here and i'd love to be able to speak to ben about this and i was like oh <laughs> so like, okay,
1: <laughs> oh thanks jerry thanks. so we did put this so jerry's referring to a graph that we have with which i put a link velocities. in the show yeah and um, the understand one does sort of start off intensively and then and mm. then become a kind of an ongoing thing and it might not be right. You're not the only person to question this, and I think you know the understanding might be something that actually builds over time. I, I we're yeah. taking the feedback on. Um, I guess the the thought was it's it's probably a slower you know mind shift change doesn't happen so quickly, so it's probably an ongoing okay. slow burn kind of thing. But um, colleagues of mine were thinking it also needs to start with quite a kind of an intensive yeah. piece of work to understand like what is the what is the situation? So, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. okay. So You're on the money. In terms of,
0: <laughs> Well, you know, we all love to be to be challenged. Yeah. But um, yeah. let's talk about the accelerate piece, okay? Because, you know, I'm interested in the use of language as well, mm. okay? Um, well, where did this come from, the term accelerate? And how, how does it differ to, say, um, d- different different frameworks that and i guess it's not really a framework it's it, I'm, just, I'm interested to see why there's a need for speed i cannot believe yeah. i've said that phrase again because that's the third <laughs> podcast in a row i've quoted top gun
1: <laughs> there you go so beyond it being exhilarating you mean why is that yeah, you know yeah and Wing i mean, and all that <laughs> yeah well you i mean the really simple answer is you've seen things like these reports around climate change, is that there's only so long for a transition to take place um so you know the need to move from a fossil energy system to a a renewable energy system and the speed speed is is a critical factor like you know i think there's a guy called alex stefan if anyone is interested in in kind of ecological and design he's an amazing writer and Hmm. he's been talking about you know speed being as important as the change you know like late Late is also a problem. It's not like I guess other transitions where the the deadline is is less um critical. But also it's quite interesting because we've you know part of this has come from observing work that we've been doing with clients. Um Mm -hmm. and we've worked with some car manufacturers who are on that electric vehicle transition. Yeah. And you know, there are deadlines from government about when they have to stop making petrol cars. And the feel the, the kind of the urgency that you can feel from them is quite different from other work we've had um and the other part of it is is a sort of a need to really focus and not do a whole load of stuff that you might normally do you know like there's some real basics that need to be put in place and you can't what we've seen on some of those projects as well as we're used to kind of all of these additional features and kind of so that if I give you an example, a, a kind of electric vehicle transition, do you really need a loyalty program that goes with that? Or do you just really want to focus on the core business, which is supporting people to adopt a different kind of vehicle? That's, mm. I think, the thing. Um,
0: okay. So um, the bit that I'm kind of, I understand, I don't want to say the need for speed again, but I understand yeah, yeah. acceleration. Okay. Like an, an accelerator is there is there a um some sort of an innov- innovation loop happening where the, you can test the the hypothesis the prototypes and get them out and get that feedback loop and and build on it like is that what i'm seeing here in terms of it being a cyclical process or is it just a case of getting that that massive change and doing it quicker
1: i think i think that's why we've been discussing it for everyone this is early stage kind of hypothetical yeah um, thoughts but we're we're kind of hoping that the prepare work pops out things that then become accelerated when the timing is is right so okay. for an organisation to accelerate something it has to be very clearly the right thing to do um, whereas there are lots of unknowns and kind of maybes around there so I think the, the the prepare work is probably going to have a lot of ideas in it that sit there and one thing mm. we've been discussing in terms of innovation is for so my colleague Yelta Sort of said, it's not so much kill your darlings anymore. It's like chill your darlings and wait for the right <laughs> yeah, time. I love that. Isn't that good?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. You should make t-shirts with that. Okay, um, we'll do that. That's cool. That, that <laughs> got the reaction going from me. We can but, wear them
1: at all the geeky conferences.
0: And I mean, like, as you said, like this is a um, it's an exploratory piece mm-hmm. um, uh, that you're doing. And I, I guess at this stage, w- what are you hoping to achieve by putting this out into the wild? Is, is conversation one of them? Because we're here talking about it is, is one thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and sort of pull ourselves forward in some way and, and but bef- but also provide a framework where we can um we can kind of look at the work we're doing in this space mm-hmm. and say well, what's the balance that we that we need. Um we've done one piece of work which has kind of touched all three, where we've looked at the sort of so creating a, a community of practice around design for sustainability within an mm. organization. So you've got that kind of understand piece going on. And then then they're prioritizing certain things that they're taking forward, but they're also thinking longer term, like what's our compass. So useful to sort of codify something that was, let's say, a you know, an early hmm. indicative methodology. But yeah, and, and and obviously we're trying to match something we can do with something that organizations need so there's a commercial yeah. aspect to it
0: one of the things that struck me um, ben and this is not me being any way facetious is the is the work that you're doing now and how it seems to have matched the design culture okay so the the culture mm-hmm. that you've built over the last 15 20 years okay it's i don't know what it was like uh, in 2010s and stuff but it seems that there's been careful curation happening around the people that I've spoken to because there's been a number of live workers that I've spoken to over the last couple of months. How have you managed this in terms of um, the hiring process Mm -hmm. and how do you maintain the design culture? Because as you said, they came to you in 2018 and they go, what's our position on this? Like, you know, how are we going to respond to these things? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like and somewhat the employees have risen yeah. Um, um, they've, they've kind of asked the questions and you've responded. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts about what you've done to enable that design culture, because I think a lot of people will be really interested in that. And especially if you're now able to, as you say, go into the final third and convert that into yeah. meaningful work. Yeah. You know,
1: I think that's a tricky question. It's like, you know, initial, of self-reflective element of it, um, what do I know? So, I think I think we've always been encouraged a, a kind of an openness about mm. you know. So there's no, there aren't particularly there aren't kind of we don't shut down people's questions or doubts or or things either. Generally, you know, over time, people you know, and and I, I guess it also starts with me. I mean, I've always been this. This is something I've talked about all the time. Um, mm. So, it's not, it's a kind of an, an open door. Um, on a more formal, formal side, and actually to answer, sort of address your earlier question about like what the challenge is to the design world, we did kick off a process last year that's taken most of the year. We've sort of deliberately um, taken our time around like just renewing or uh, updating LibWorks' purpose statement. Or, we didn't have one, we had kind of different mission vision stuff but we're just like okay what's the company purpose and had a lot of conversations around it and uh, the first time we kind of opened the discussion and I think I scared everybody by sharing some sort of more bleak eco thought including this guy Alex Stefan. but there was there was there's a sort of a, a fear factor involved here about stepping into the unknown you know I think yeah. we all we all swim in this human-centric water and it's second nature and, and it's you mm-hmm. know it's kind of how how we define who we are to some extent so to sort of say well we're going to do, you know it's like do i need to go back to school or do yeah. i need to challenge my clients in a different way that i'm not used to and i'm not sure if i've got the data or the you know the gravitas yeah. to do that um so that's that's you know fear is always sort of something that holds you back isn't it um so I, deliberate i mean that's the one thing i can say we've done over the last year to deliberately say this is a collective thing. You're not on your own. You know, we've talked about saying we're going to have this kind of, you know, the sustainability lens is something that we bring to all projects, even if the client says, well, that's not relevant for now. Um, and also we've been running a, a kind of sustainable futures in stealth mode. So we've picked a few clients where we've said, let's just have the conversation in the background. Yeah. And if you feel comfortable, you can see whether some of these questions are relevant. And it's been really successful, actually. So, you know, we work with with some clients where we haven't been, this hasn't been part of the brief or the contract that we've had. You bring them in. We we bring it in. And actually, in terms of, I think part of what's what's important has been figuring out where our, our kind of spaces where we do have permission and value. So mm. we're not the, we don't, we've. Deliberately said we're not the people who have to shout and scream at companies and say, you know, you need to sort your shit out and yeah and stuff. They you know, most firms will have some kind of statement and yeah intent. But it really needs translating into what they actually do. And mm. then you know, all of the difficult bit, which is the more I yeah. think, it does. Design space.
0: With, I'm seeing a pattern between, you know, the founding of Live Work and where you're at now. Like in terms of Chris saying, I've registered the domain, you show up for work here now, and, and then you yeah, go yeah. find the work. And 2018, you know, change happens, you know, founders, whatever. Yeah. And now you're at that point again where it's like there's there's a, an element of, I don't want to say risk taking, but, but you're... you're you're kind of you're happy to to throw it up in the air somewhat and just saying, well this is what we believe in like like you did way back in two thousand two thousand one mm-hmm. saying this is what we believe we we see this and now you see it now okay um in terms of your preparedness for the next ten years, where do you see the critical skills being within live work and what what are you doing to to kind of um, work with that.
1: Yeah. So I like that observation, Jerry. I think we, you know, it's almost our strengths and our weaknesses, we're always yeah. like looking at the next thing and, you know, being a kind of, um, yeah, we, it's always like, oh, that's an interesting challenge. We're not very good at rinse and repeat, which is also a business challenge. Um, so the things with, I think we're on with another thing, which we've been doing for quite some time now um is is deepening our ability to work with the organizational change so we had yeah. i think probably 10 years ago we had a challenge from clients it's like we love the stories you tell about what you know the services we could create in the future but you know the machinery doesn't work like that and we're yeah. like i don't understand your machinery so we've been like we need to understand the organizational you know dynamics people process systems stuff and we so that's something um and that I mentioned Marcia to you and and Angela. And, you know, we brought in a lot of people and, and deepened that yeah. a lot. So I think the ability to work with organisations as almost the material of design. Just yeah. carries on. Um, so that would be one thing. And then the other thing I think is being able to engage with these the the kind of the systems and understand at a system level what what dynamics are going on. You know, if we have an organisation and it's in a, it's in a policy context, it's in a market context. You know. So, what—that's something that we've seen. We need to do with any of these sustainability challenges is, is you know, understand what's pushing and pulling Hmm. everything around um, beforehand. So, you can't—you can't just go and talk to a a bunch of users and come up with solutions. I think it's what we're learning.
0: (laughs) But but I'm seeing, like within LiveWorks, um, I guess DNA. And within the team structures, there's there's roles there that are non, if you want design, like there, there's no, like there's sustainability experts and there's so forth. Like you're, you're really, it's like you're, you're building a different kind of a team. Um, and that's, I'm saying different compared to other typical A consultancies right. um, that would be pitching for service design work that might just have design research interaction design it seems that there's there's a there's a different formula and a different approach happening Uh, and i'm keen to understand like is there something beyond this that you're you're hoping to see the rest of the design world catch up to because i believe like what you're doing at the moment is is really interesting um and you're able to do what a lot of businesses wish they could do take the risk um hire you know people who um in my mind probably make the best designers they're they're non design trained right. um and you're able to bring the work in uh, and and work in interesting projects um is that a fair assumption or have i have I completely missed the mark
1: i, I think you've i think you've uh, you've gl- you've shined it i mean it it sounds i'm not sure if it's uh, if it's hundred percent true i think um mm. we feel sometimes you know we're quite concentratedly designed but it is a very it's quite a broad you know, more of a strategic design than the, um, you know, we're, we're definitely not in the in that kind of specialism that you were describing in certain ways. Yeah. Most of the team are quite broad and either we have been, it's less a case of bringing in a sustainability expert and more a case of allowing a, a really good strategic design mind to mm. broaden into a space. So we have, you know, we have another designer who's focusing on the relationship between service design and urban environments and, you know, okay. So so it's um that's probably more the the approach we're taking. Yeah. Cuz we you know I I'm, I'm aware that you know there's a lot of trends out there that I think we're not we're not definitely not leading around you know bringing design and business skills together and things like that There's Yeah. You
0: know, yeah. So t- typically um whenever you're you're asked to uh to come into businesses um what are the kind of things that they can expect to have happen when live work uh, arrive in, into the space. And I'm assuming there's, there's permission to play, as we'd say, like, you know, how, how has your approach changed over the last five to 10 years?
1: So there's sort of two questions. What can they, what can they expect? In, what can they expect and what has changed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a client, feedback at you for the what to expect because uh, it was just very satisfying mm. uh recently we're told that you know we they they felt like they they got the kind of the collaboration and the well i guess they didn't get the arrogance of a consultancy but they didn't get the i will just do what you say from an agency they got the kind of the right level of challenge but also the right okay. level of like proactiveness so i think you can the main thing i would expect is you you know you're you get a team that is wants to work with you to yeah. to kind of fit into where you are, but also to push it forward in, in ways that are useful and not, and, you know, not annoying. Um, and then you can expect, you know, research mm. and workshops and prototypes and fun stuff. fun stuff. Yeah.
0: I mean, um, I was and how, great. go ahead.
1: How it's, how it's changed. I think I've, I've sort of mentioned in a way you, how it's changed is we will do a lot you know, we'll go a lot more into understanding the organisation than we than we would have done quite before. Ago. Yeah.
0: So it, it seems like live work um, is at a point. Okay, whereas a lot of organisations um mightn't be at that point. Okay, they mightn't. They might have spoken about you know sustainability. Yeah. They might have kind of you know, realized that. Oh, okay, a change is afoot. Um, you know. We might need to do something about that. Organizations typically are a lot slower to respond. Um, and when you bring service design in, it sounds like there's some deeper work going on, some deeper organizational work um, done by yourselves when you're in there. It it takes a certain type of practitioner to be able to facilitate, facilitate those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, something that really... Um, takes it takes a a special type of character as well and i'm going to lean on a conversation where i had with melissa nova who created a book called this human a number of years ago and i was chatting to melissa the other day um and those design characters um to quote melissa's new book um are really hard to find I Mm -hmm. i feel like and it's it's making sure that when they go into those organizations a lot of those conversations happen outside of the boardroom. Mm-hmm. They're not happening at the presentation pieces. Mm-hmm. Like when you're leaving the live work DNA within the organization and they're having these conversations and slowly they're permeating into the, the fabric of that organization. What I'm really keen to hear is because I've I've spoken to some very impressive people in live work. And again, I'm not, I have no ties to live work, but mm-hmm. I found them to be very impressive I'm really keen, and I kind of touched on it before about how you're handling the design culture, okay? Mm. And um, I want to (laughs) understand, is there there something there that you can talk to other people about how they can ensure that they're hiring for the right design character? Mm. It's a hard question. Yeah, it is a hard
1: question. Um, I think, yeah.
0: Because it's not just skills. This is the thing, like, you can do a service design course um and learn a lot of the, the methods yeah. that we use That's, and stuff, but there's something beyond that.
1: Yeah. So I I'm gonna I'm sort of latching onto you saying the LiveWork DNA. So we did hmm. when we started the company, we and, and we always have sort of ever since been as interested in service as design. And yeah. and what we found, you know, and if you know, sort of early on from reading the literature that you know there's so much more um literature about product and production than there is services and the, the idea of like how services are productive is is still kind of services are like the, the poor cousin in a way in in, in the industrial yeah. world so I, th- I think you'll you see a lot of design which is um I guess heavily weighted on the design and we do have a culture which is really interested in service um mm. so and the idea that reorienting a company or to think about the services they produce or them actually being a service company. Mm. So I, I mean some of my my most satisfying work has been where that's been successful, you know, where you've you've kind of gotten them to see, ah, you know, it's not just mm. about the products, it's how do you get people there, how do you help them mm. choose the right one and how do you support them to get the most out of it, you know? Um, and when you say that that kind of the kind of people and the kind of culture I'm just thinking. We've had a team that's been working with the British Parliament on on the services that are provided to to politicians and their staff. You know, so basically, kind yeah. of in a way, plonky services like IT support and but yeah. also you know archiving and these these things. And and our big win is getting them to think of themselves as a service provider and to orientate how they structure what they do yeah. around those services, and that shifts them from it's like throwing a, throwing together bits of IT and disparate, uncoordinated, yeah. siloed activity. So I I say that's it in a way for me. The culture is like because if you start if you're just about design, then you're mainly about your method. Yeah. And and if but if you're about service, you know you're also about the design object. You're really concerned with like this thing and what it is and what you know what yeah. makes it function in the same way that you you know if you're a, you know if you're a fashion designer, you're all a, you know you're all about that garment and
0: yeah i love that I, I love the separation It's. i've had a similar conversation with a few people um over the last couple of years about that and it's it's really true like i think the service design practice is in love with the design side of things i mean sometimes we forget that we're actually believe it or not designing service so um it's a it's really refreshing to hear that
1: and it it is a. It's nice. It's a really great question from you because it helps to clarify. Because there is also you know there's this culture out there of around d- digital product, and, yeah. and uh, we were having a dis- we've had quite a few discussions about like how do these things work together. You're seeing companies adopt digital product kind of mm. mindset, language, process, and that's really important because, you know they want to ship these things, and you need that kind of production methodology and mindset. Mm. So um, Luis in live South, sao South paulo and i put this thing out so what is the relationship between these two things i don't you know service isn't always the answer but it's our it's kind of our answer in a yeah way.
0: absolutely yeah. so where is your own personal um journey going in the next five years because you know it, it i can almost trace a line between your own personal growth and LiveWork's growth mm-hmm. and also the employees growth because you, i think you're attracting a certain type of um practitioner into the business who are you reading at the moment and um what are you hoping to learn in the next five years then
1: gosh um so i I can do a bit of a plug here so i uh, with the ecological stuff i've been reading a a philosopher called timothy morton and um, we're going to have a book club on linkedin as an experiment where we'll discuss a book he's written called being ecological um so he He's kind of informed some of that thinking about how the well, you know he this this book he talks about how the whole shock and awe kind of ecological fear thing is not necessarily a, a useful way to yeah. approach things. Um, so I guess that I'm um, I'm I feel like you know I could say you know the, my journey is is along those three philosophies that would be neat and tidy wouldn't it so there's an understanding yeah. journey and uh etc etc
0: Be too salesy though ben we wouldn't yeah it would be
1: terrible um yeah i mean i'm still learning about this this role um you know and, and i think we really need to learn there's a lot of learning about on the back of of this mm. early thinking you know to. I'm yeah. really excited about this This kind of, like it is a hypothesis for us at the moment. And having it does feel like a new lease of life for me. It was very exciting early on with LiveWork where we said that these are the, this is what we think service design is, but we need to prove it. You know, We need to yeah. sell it. We need to see the community grow. So I, I kind of feel like I'm at that point again. So there a, there's definitely a bit of me that yeah. wants to be more practitioner again and think about how...
0: There's probably you know. a sense of unlearning as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I'm I'm hearing and I'm you know doing pseudo therapy.
1: Here.
0: <laughs> there's a certain amount of unlearning. I think for all of us um, is what I'm hearing from from the industry as regards what we need to do as practitioners for the next five years in particular, because yeah. it's not going. These challenges are only going to um, you know get bigger and bigger as the years go on, years go by. Um, what do you think? Um, what do you think in terms of the, the, the people coming into the business, what are the skills that you feel that you're going to need like outside of yourself? Um, so if if there's anyone from academia or education that are producing new talent, I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on, on what they should be doing more to cultivate excellence, because obviously, you know, over the last, decade or so there's ma's of service design Mm -hmm. there's a lot more of those um and and from what i'm i'm understanding from a lot of those master's courses they create really talented people Mm. um but there's something beyond that that we need to maybe consider
1: yeah just um try to i'm remembering i was haven't done any any teaching on the master's courses for a while for a while but um it's it's a good question. I think there still seems to be like a. I think the really interesting stuff is when it's multidisciplinary. Um, mm, so I, I, I loved it. I was tutoring at the Royal College of Art, and there was a project that they did, which was between service design, automotive design, and the engineering teams at Imperial. Mm. So I guess learning how to work. I mean, it's in a way, it's kind of you know these. Um, 21st century skills agenda around project based and collaboration. Yeah. You know, um, so I, if you run a, a service design, I always felt like the best projects were the ones which were kind of done like student projects in the wild and the students yeah. were learning how to work alongside well, you know, an actuary or a nurse or an engineer or, you know, so yeah. that, um, and there is something, you know, that, like one of the hardest things I find with what we do is just, you know, is the, is the facilitation the collabor of, of collaboration? How do you do that, and how might you do that? At a so you know we can do that at team level, and we try and do that within an organization. How do you do that at a sort of multi organizational level? How might you have a like in collaboration at a, at a next system level of scale? Yeah. Um, we we've had yeah that, that would be it's sort of I think the dream. That's where the work needs to go, and you know, if you look at um, some of the the stuff, the kind of new trends in design, like this idea of mission-driven innovation, you know, yeah. how do you, how does the design support that as you know, kind of a key facilitator yeah. of those kind of challenges?
0: Okay, there's there's a whole host of things that we could probably go a little bit deeper on here but i just want to ask one, one last question because you know in 2001 you were you know reading an awful lot about um the emergence of service at that point and now we're at the point and we're 2023 here and recording this and we're we're kind of at a crossroads you know in terms of of how we operate moving forward what what have you changed in your own life um over the last say number of years just, I'm interested because you're you're more well-read than I am. You're more experienced in sustainability than I am. And, you know, from speaking to Jerry McGovern, who's a very good friend of mine, who... Oh, great. Yeah. I'd love to know, um, and again, you might kind of go, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I haven't done yeah. enough. <laughs> but I'd love to hear in terms of um, stuff that you maybe carried through into the business as well and maybe made cuts in certain parts or maybe you added things or things like that
1: so do you mean like at a a kind of personal lifestyle level or personal
0: lifestyle level absolutely
1: yeah Yeah. i'm I'm actually so i I feel like i'm in a fortunate position and i i have this building sense that like let's say that you know if you the global 10 percent richest people yeah which includes us consume something like 50 percent of the world's resources so there's an interesting debate about you know is it personal responsibility or system level but i think if you're in that group you you and you have the ability to make economic choices then you you should do things and it's also a way to learn so Mm. and without feeling like bragging i'm very lucky we moved house last year and it was a full renovation so we managed we've got a heat pump and and there is no gas in the house so it's a fossil free zone, which is really, you know, That's
0: very, awesome, yeah.
1: very good for the, uh, for the sort of um, self-image. Um, I'm afraid I, I bought a car in the pandemic. I did, I was, I was kind of proudly car free and a car club user for a long time, but
0: yeah. Um, you, you've bought a car. I yeah, mean, like I, I know a number of people who've made huge sacrifices and sold houses and downsized and right. um, become free of of that um but i'm really interested like for, for me in my own personal journey i still we still have two cars in our house okay it's really difficult mm. we've got two young kids both under six yeah um and i've challenged my local council about this stuff i've asked them saying hey listen look you, you're you talking about on one hand um you don't want me to use my car i said but there's no public services yeah. for me to get from a to b in terms of the schools and i could probably buy a cargo bike." But um, for anyone who's been to Ireland uh, yeah. recently at the moment or specifically Dublin, they're going through a huge transformation in the bike lanes at the moment. And I just don't feel safe enough to bring my yeah. two young kids out on the bike. So.
1: My, I, well, good yeah. Because for for, I think stepping out of your own decisions and being politically active around it and helping uh, talk about it, realize. the other thing I've done, which is, is definitely a luxury, uh, you know, economic luxury, we, we've been Traveling by train in Europe, which, oh. which was it good? can mean a two day trip to go and see the grandparents in Denmark. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's good. It's two expensive.
0: days. I know um, Joe, who wrote Engineering, um, and and yeah, yeah. Joe told me about a. Um, where was he going? He, went, he was going
1: to Dundee from, from yeah. Stockholm because <laughs> I, I met him in Dundee and he That's was hard. like, yeah, ne- never again. <laughs> yeah.
0: It took him like, you know, a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long it took him, but he did it. Um, and I know a number of people who've, I think if you're in mainland Europe, things become a little bit more
1: easier. So I am going gonna, gonna to sell it actually. So what my emerging concept. So we went to Venice right, in the summer via Amsterdam, Munich, and then through the Alps on the train. And we had a, a four hour break. Roughly in Amsterdam and Munich, so I'm I'm going to coin the phrase micro break, micro city break. So you you have just long enough to kind of walk through the central streets and eat yeah. something, and or or go and see an exhibition even, um, and then get back on the train again, and using the sleeper train. Um, yeah, and then we did go that route because you can go through the Alps on the from Munich on the to the train, which would be Italy. amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, as but said, it,
1: it, it, we did on the way back, we were in that heat wave. So it was like 40 degrees on the train and it was kind of hard work.
0: So you're sitting there looking out the window, kind of going, could have been an air conditioned airplane here. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, look, Ben, you know, I, I've covered off all my, my kind of questions here and this. You, you're off the hook. i joking. only joking. Yeah. Um, it was really, really good. Finally chatting to you. Um, and thank you for being so open and honest about a lot of the questions as you see some of them come from but I really enjoyed speaking with you so, so thanks so much for giving me your time if people want to reach out to you what's the best way for them to do that I know we've got a type form link that I'm going to throw a link in the show notes Brilliant. for people to follow up and get involved with um the the three not the three horizons velocities yeah <laughs> three velocities um so I'll put a link to that one in the show notes. But if people want to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for people yeah, to do that?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty open on LinkedIn. I think that's the easiest way to, to yeah. find me and
0: throw a link to that one in the show a link notes to me, as well. Yeah, I'll also link to Live Work as well to yeah. to check out where you guys are at. Like you know, Ben, thanks so much. Thank you there you go folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode and if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishatecd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening.